Good morning, Lakeview Church. Oh, you're getting better at that. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we looked at the Gospel of Luke. We looked at Luke chapter 24, and we talked about the way that Jesus came and appeared to his disciples, and there were doubts that arose in their hearts that this was really Jesus in front of them. And remember, Jesus showed them his hands and his feet, and then uh, just to make sure that they knew he was really alive, he said, do you have anything to eat? And they ate some food together, and Jesus was giving them convincing proofs that he, in fact, was alive. That was Luke's gospel. Uh, If you jump over to Luke's second book of the Bible, the book of Acts, he wrote to Theophilus the book of Luke, and then in his second installment, he wrote the book of Acts, In the book of Luke, he was talking about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And in the book of Acts, he starts talking about the church of Jesus Christ and how the church carries on the work of Jesus from here to everywhere. And in the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, we find Luke writing these words saying that Jesus appeared to his disciples in the period between resurrection and ascension, the time that Jesus was raised from the dead and the time he goes back to be with his father in heaven. Jesus appears to his disciples and during this time, he gives them many convincing proofs that he was alive and then this phrase, he taught them concerning the kingdom of God. I've been thinking about that phrase a lot as we were moving towards Easter and even into this post-Easter series of messages because it seems to me that when you read the life of Jesus Christ, you cannot get away from the message of the kingdom of God. It's written all throughout Jesus' public ministry. It's written all throughout his resurrection and that period before he ascends to go back to be with the Father. He talks about the kingdom over and over and over again. Go back to the beginning of the Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 1. The very first words recorded by Mark uh, that he puts into the mouth of Jesus in the way he tells the Gospel story, Jesus is baptized, he goes out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days, he's tempted by the evil one, he withstands that temptation, and now he comes back into society, and the very first words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark are these words, I have good news for you, the kingdom of God is here. Right, And he starts from that moment forward teaching people about the kingdom of God. In fact, if you look at all of the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find him talking about the kingdom more than he talks about any other topic. It is his message, the message of the kingdom. And not only does he teach about the kingdom of God, but he actually, when his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, we know that you're a person of prayer. We watch you pray all the time. Can you teach us how to pray? Jesus said you ought to pray this way. Pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. 
See, the kingdom is something that Jesus came to proclaim. The kingdom is here. And he taught about the kingdom in one-on-one conversations, in times with his disciples, and even when he taught the multitudes. And when his disciples wanted to know how to pray, Jesus said, you ought to pray for the kingdom to come. See, the kingdom is essential in Jesus' ministry. And in case we missed it, After Jesus is raised from the dead bodily, spends 40 days with his disciples. And in these days, right before he goes back to be with his father, he does a little review. College students in the room, you're starting your review because finals are coming. Sorry if you just got stressed out as I said that. But finals are coming and you've got to go back and you've got to review what you've learned this semester. Jesus takes a few moments with his disciples, 40 days, and he kind of reviews with them the core of his teaching. And when he does that, what does he talk about? Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says he talks about the kingdom of God. So in these days, following Easter... And for the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus has kind of uh, centralized a lot of his teaching about the kingdom. It's not the only place that you'll find it. You'll find it all throughout the Gospels. But in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a series of parables and they come in almost installment-like fashion, one after the other after the other. And in these parables, Jesus gives pictures to help people understand key truths about the kingdom of God. He takes the unfamiliar, this new idea, the kingdom of God, and he gives pictures from everyday life that are very familiar to say, look at this picture that you understand and find the principle hidden in it that says something about the kingdom of God, that reveals something about this key teaching that Jesus was so passionate to deliver. So over these weeks, we're going to talk about these parables, these pictures, to see what we can learn about the kingdom. And before we get into the first one, the parable of the soil in Matthew chapter 13, the one that Brian Warner read for us just a few moments ago, I want to just point out one very, very important truth about these teachings. Jesus does not teach us about the kingdom of God just so we will have a good story to listen to. He doesn't even teach us about the kingdom of God so we will learn more about the kingdom. This was not storytelling just for the fun of it. And it wasn't an academic exercise. This wasn't Jesus trying to fill our minds with more information and understanding about the kingdom of God. Jesus' teachings always, always, always had a focus. And that focus was on living. It's not about listening and it's not about learning. It's always about living. This is why Jesus didn't say in the Great Commission, go into all the world and teach them so that they'll know what I taught. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go into all the world and teach them to obey. Teach them to live out what I have taught. This is why Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount says the wise man is the one who hears these teachings and builds his house on them. 
You actually put them into practice. You lay the foundation of your life and you live in accordance with these teachings. And if you don't do that, if you just hear it, you just learn it, but you don't live it out, well, that's foolishness, Jesus says. And James records this same message when he says, don't just listen to the word. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. Because faith without works is dead. It's not real faith. Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom in the passages we're going to look at in this series in the Gospel of Matthew because he wants our lives to actually align with the kingdom of God. Jesus came to bring the kingdom and he teaches us about the kingdom so that we can learn these principles and align our lives with the kingdom of God so that when people look at us, the way that we live, the way that we relate to people, the way that we interact with our world, the way that we work in this world will align with the kingdom of God. And this, by the way, is how the prayer of Jesus gets answered. How does the kingdom come? How is the will of God done? When you and I line our lives up with the kingdom of God so that where we go and what we do looks like the kingdom. And when people look at our lives, they don't just see people doing whatever they want to do. They see people doing what Jesus taught us to do, to live out the kingdom. So with that in mind, we're going to look at the very first story that Jesus offers in Matthew 13. And it is the introductory story because in this story, Jesus is teaching us what we need to do and become so that the message of the kingdom can really take root in our lives. And to do that, he tells the story about the soil. Oh. We read the story just a few moments ago. I'm not going to read it for you again, but I am going to walk you through it just to help you understand what Jesus is trying to communicate. Jesus tells a story that, that the message of the kingdom is like seed, that the farmer goes out and scatters on the ground. Back in Jesus' day, they didn't, they didn't have all this technology that you farmers have today. They didn't have GPS on their tractors that... Just run that tractor in perfectly straight rows, which, by the way, someone with my condition absolutely loves how straight those rows are. I just look, I drive and I look down those rows and they're so straight and they're perfectly spaced. And I just think, that is the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way they planted seeds back in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, the farmer went out with a bag of seeds and took seeds in his hand and be, just scattered them across the ground, knowing that some of the seed was going to fall on soil where the seed could grow and some of it wouldn't. That was just kind of part of the process. And so the farmer would scatter seed all over their property and the seed would find its way onto different types of soil. And Jesus uses this everyday picture which the people that he was speaking to would have clearly understood. They've seen it a thousand times. And so Jesus talks about the fact that sometimes seed falls on the first type of soil which is the path. 
The path is that part of the farmer's property where people have walked back and forth so many times that the ground has become packed down. It's, it's tight. It's not porous. There's no way for the seeds to get into the ground where they could actually grow. It's almost like putting seeds on top of a sidewalk. Seeds don't grow there. That's the first type of soil. And Jesus says this person, the person whose life is like the path, they're the person who are completely closed off from the word of God. Their soul isn't porous. It's not open and receptive. They have decided that even if they could hear the word of God with their ears, the seed wouldn't go down into their soul because their soul is closed off to the message of the kingdom. That's the first type of soil, the path. The second type of soil that Jesus talks about is the rocky or the shallow soil. This is the soil that that maybe sits on top of rocky ground. There's enough dirt there that seeds could get into it and actually start to sprout. It looks promising. But over time, as soon as the sun comes out, that little sprout dries up because there aren't enough uh, depth there. There's not enough depth in that dirt, that soil, for the roots to go down to nourish the plant. So even though it's sprouted and even though it looks promising, it doesn't have staying power. Jesus says there's some people who are like that. They hear the word of God and it looks promising. They receive it quickly, and it looks like it's sprouting and starting to produce fruit. But the reality is, is that it's kind of shallow in their life. And as soon as adversity comes, as soon as life gets a little bit challenging, as soon as the temptation to go back to your previous way of life rises, you just run right back. You shut it down. You let the enemy take the message of the kingdom out of your life because it's just planted On shallow ground. Jesus says that's the second kind of soil. Third kind of soil is what Jesus refers to as thorny soil. This is is soil where the seed can actually be planted. It actually puts down roots. It starts to grow. And it's even growing towards maturity. But as it begins to grow and to develop thorns... And Jesus says over time, even though the plant is growing, even though it has the roots that are necessary, the thorns come and they choke that plant out. Sometimes the thorns will kill that plant. Sometimes they'll let the plant live, but it can't be fruitful. Because the nourishment that that plant needs is being robbed by the thorns that are growing around it and choking out its life. Jesus said this is like the person who receives the word of God, but then... Instead of making the kingdom and the message of Jesus their number one priority in life, they let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth steal their attention. And even though they want to follow Jesus, they got to take care of this other stuff first. And because they're distracted, because they're of two minds, because they're trying to have one foot in each world, they actually can't allow the message of Christ to produce fruit in their lives. And then Jesus said there's a fourth kind of soil. He calls this the good soil. 
This is the soil that's open and receptive. It's the soil that's freshly tilled, that's been cultivated, that's ready to receive the seed, that's ready to actually provide space. It's got depth so roots can go down. It's got life in it so that the the seed can sprout and grow to maturity so that that plant can begin to produce a harvest. It can begin to produce fruit, 30, 60, even 100-fold to bring a return to the farmer that scattered the seed. Jesus said this is the life that's wide open to the message of the kingdom. This is the life of a person whose soul is porous and open, ready to receive the word of God, ready to let the word and message of Jesus be planted deep into your soul, to let it produce roots that go down deep into the character and nature and nourishment that comes from God and his spirit to grow up and produce maturity in your life and actually begin to demonstrate fruit. This is the good soil. And Jesus says when you have a person who is good soil, the seed can be planted and it will grow and it will produce a harvest. Jesus tells this story because he's wanting to communicate to his disciples and really to all who are listening That if you want to receive the message of the kingdom, if you want your life to line up with the kingdom of God so that the kingdom comes and the will of God is done on this earth just like it is in heaven, you have to be good soil. There's just no other way to get there. If you're not open and receptive to the message and the word and the way of Jesus, you cannot actually produce the harvest that Jesus wants to produce in and through your life. It's not possible. Which brings me to maybe two or three things that we can learn from this story. And again, we're not just listening. We're not just learning. We're, we want to live this out. Right? So we're going to talk about what are some things that we need to know and then what can we do about this. So I think there are two or three things that we need to know from this story that Jesus is telling. First, in the kingdom of God, fruitfulness matters. Fruitfulness matters. Jesus actually isn't interested in how much you know about the kingdom of God if you are not willing to live the kingdom of God. Just knowing about the kingdom, just saying that you believe what Jesus has taught about the kingdom, just being able to regurgitate the lessons of the kingdom for the test isn't enough. You can't get a passing grade just by being able to answer multiple choice about the kingdom of God. It's not enough. What matters in the kingdom economy is that your life actually starts to look like the kingdom of God. So that where you go and what you do and how you interact with people and how you work and how you labor in this world actually is work and labor and living that reflects the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom comes. That's how the will of God is done when our lives change to reflect the kingdom. 
I talked about this a few weeks ago when I talked about the fact that too many people in our world today have just gotten rid of the word of God. They don't even look to it as their guide anymore. But those who do, among them there are people who are taking the word of God and molding it to their lives. They're actually changing the standard of God's word so that it reflects an image of God that they like to have. That's called idolatry. When you remake a God in the image you want him to be, that's called idolatry. And that's not what Jesus invites us to in this life of living in the kingdom. Jesus says, this is the message of the kingdom and your job is to let the Holy Spirit of God mold your life to match this word. That's called discipleship. Jesus is inviting us into that kind of life because fruitfulness matters. You say, well, what kind of fruit are we talking about here? I'm so glad you asked. Because that fits perfectly in what I'm going to say next. That was a perfect question to ask at this moment in the message. What kind of fruit are we talking about? I think there's two kinds of fruit that Jesus is primarily concerned about in our lives. The first one is the fruit of character. When Jesus invited disciples to follow him, he was inviting them to walk so closely with him that they would learn from him and actually become like him. They would actually have their lives begin to be shaped by what he taught, by how he thought, by what he did, and they would begin to imitate him so that they would become just like Jesus, their teacher. And Jesus invites us to follow him. The very first thing he's inviting us to is to have our lives transformed so that we look more and more like him. It's the fruit of character. But that's not the only fruit that Jesus wants to produce in our lives. He also wants to produce the fruit of disciple making. Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus wasn't just interested in changing you. He was actually interested in changing you and using you to change this world. You see, the message of the kingdom comes first to us, for us. But it never stops there. The message of the kingdom comes to us, for us, and then it becomes the message of the kingdom through us, for others. God does his work in us, and God does his work through us. He transforms us, and then he invites us to be transformative in this world. And we have to produce both of those kinds of fruit in our lives. Why? Because in the kingdom, fruitfulness matters. Second lesson from this parable. Good soil produces good fruit. Good soil produces good fruit. We never have a problem wondering, is the word of God good? It is. The seed that God wants to plant in our life, it's never bad. It's always perfect. It is the perfect word of God. Inspired by him, useful for correcting, for teaching, for rebuking, for guiding us in holy living. The word of God is good seed. We don't ever have to worry about that. So the only variable in Jesus' story is never, is the seed good? The only variable in Jesus' story is, is the soil good? 
Because if the soil looks like the path, it's just closed off and it won't accept the seed, then the seed can't be planted there. And if it's shallow, it will never have enough depth to put roots down so that it can be nourished. And if it's thorny, if it's distracted with the cares of this world and the concerns of our lives, it will never be able to grow up and produce fruit. But when the soil is good soil, the seed can be planted in that soil. And when it is planted there, it can grow up, mature, and produce fruit for the kingdom of God. In the kingdom, fruitfulness matters Good soil produces good fruit, which leads me to the third and final lesson today, which is if you want to become fruitful, you got to become good soil. You got to become good soil. You have to actually prepare your soul to receive the word of God. And then you must receive the word of God on a regular basis. You got to let it be planted in your life. And when it's planted there, you meditate on it. You reflect on it and you let it work its way into your life so that you begin to think in ways that reflect the word of God and you begin to live in ways that mirror the word of God. And when that happens, you begin to produce the fruit of character. And as you go out into the world and you build relationships and you, you pay attention to the people that God's put in your path, you have an opportunity to speak the word of God into the lives of others. Sometimes from your story, this is what God's teaching me. This is what God is doing in my life. And sometimes you have an opportunity because someone else has a situation and you know the word of God well enough to speak that word directly into their lives and let them know that the word is relevant in fact, it's the most relevant thing to living in the middle of our culture today. It is the most relevant thing. We have to be good soil if we want to be fruitful. There is no other way to be fruitful for the kingdom of God than to let the word of God be planted deeply in our lives. So how would we apply this teaching to our lives today? The first thing that I would say is you have to prepare the soil. You have to prepare the soil. And the way that we do this is by spending time with the Lord. There's not a microwave way to get there. Only a crockpot way. We renovated our kitchen last year, and as a result of that, my wife, she had wonderful foresight, which doesn't surprise any of you who know her well. She thinks ahead, and she put in our freezer 40 or 50 crockpot meals that were frozen, ready to just be dumped in the crockpot. And so for two or three months, we thought we were going to get it all done in six weeks, and then this little thing called COVID happened, and things got delayed a little bit longer for two or three months, we had crockpot meals. My kids hate crockpot me crock meals now. They are tired. When they see the crockpot on the counter, they're like, here we go again. But I want to tell you right now, I will take a crockpot meal any day over a microwave meal. They are always, always better. Here's what happens in our lives. We want to microwave our time with the Lord and make it as quick as and as efficient as possible. 
And I get it, we're busy, our lives are overloaded, but just maybe we need to unbusy our lives enough so that we can spend adequate time with the Lord in prayer and in communion with him so that the soil of our soul is ready to receive his word to us daily and weekly and monthly. We have to prepare the soil of our soul. And we do that by spending time with the Lord. Secondly, we have to receive. This speaks to the fact that we have to gather like this on a weekly basis. The Bible tells us this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, even more so as you see the day approaching. Because when we gather together, not only are we in the presence of God, but we open the word of God and he speaks to us from his word in this setting and we hear his voice. We got to be together like this on a regular basis where we hear the word of God. But not just in a big gathering. We need to gather in small groups at kitchen tables and in living rooms and at coffee shops where we have conversations with one another and we talk about the word of God and what God is teaching us in his word. By doing that, we are receiving the scriptures into our lives. We're digesting it and letting it take its place in our soul. And not just in a big group and not just in small groups, but when we are all alone in those times with the Lord, we open the Bible and we step into the sacred sanctuary of Scripture. And just for a few moments each day, we are in the presence of God and we hear his voice speaking through the pages of Scripture. We need this. Not just to check it off on our list of things we've done for the day, but to say, Lord, speak to me today. I need your word planted deep in my soul. We need that. We've got to prepare. We've got to receive. We've got to put the word into practice. The most important question of any time that we engage the scriptures, whether it's in a big group or a small group conversation or when we are alone with the Lord, is what does the Lord want me to do with this word? What does the Lord want me to do with this word? How can I obey these scriptures today? How can I engage in what God wants me to do? Because at the end of the day, we are called to obey the teachings of scripture, not just learn them, not just listen to them, called to obey them. So how do we put it into practice? And then I think the fourth thing we can do to apply this teaching is we share the word. One of the biggest benefits of time with the Lord and time in his word is that we, we kind of fill the repository of our soul with truth. So that when things arise in our culture that we don't know how to answer, and there are lots of those things in our culture today, right? Things that arise that we think, what, what is the answer to that question? I think a church full of deeply devoted followers of Jesus Christ, people who are maturing in their faith, people who are good soil, is that we have the word of God just in reserve. So that when an issue arises or a question comes before us, our very first filter is the word of God. What does scripture say about that? Now, I've spent enough time in this last year on on social media. I don't post a whole lot, but I watch you. And I watch others, Christians, 
Many of them would say biblical Christians. And yet, when issues arise in our day, when things come to the surface, when questions are posed, what I find Christians parroting back in response to those questions are the answers of their political party or the answers of their favorite news outlet or the answers from some secular resource that they have been digging into to learn more about the topic. And listen, I'm not here to downplay political parties or to talk about news outlets. I'm not even here to say you shouldn't read secular work because I think it's good to know what's being said in the world today. But if we don't have anything that we can offer to our world from the word of God, I'm not sure we have anything to offer. Because that's where truth is found. And we have to be willing to share the word of God in one-on-one conversations in response to people who want to know, what are we supposed to do in response to this issue? There's got to be something in the word of God that's relevant to that. We got to share it with other people. So as we close this morning, what I want to do is put four things on the screen. I'm going to ask him to go ahead and put those up there. And I want you to look at these four statements. And I want you to think of them, not just as statements, but as areas that the Spirit of God might be drawing a circle around today for you. Do you need to commune more with God so that you can actually be ready to receive the word of God? Do you need in your life more time to engage the word of God individually, maybe in a small group? Maybe you need to be more regular in gathering in person or with us online today or or each week so that you can hear the scriptures taught and proclaimed. Maybe you need to carve out more space. Maybe you need to add to your time in the Word just that one additional question that you need to think about. What do I need to do differently today because of what God's Word is saying to me? Or maybe you need more boldness to share the Word of God with others when those moments arise. I just want you to look at the screen for the next few moments here. Let me just give you a couple moments of silence to do that. Which one is God drawing your attention to today? I want you to get that one in your mind. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. Father, I want to pray for all of us in this room and for those who are gathering with us online today. God, I want to pray that you would bring one of these to the forefront of our minds, our souls, our spirits today, and that we would be willing to walk out of here not just having listened to a message, not just having learned something about the kingdom, but may we walk out of here today with a commitment to live whatever it is you are asking us to do in this very moment. We don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers also. So for those who need to commune with you more, would you give them time and space in their lives and give them an awareness 
that in those moments when they make themselves present with the God who is always present with them, that you are there and that you are at work and that you are ready to speak. God, for those who need the discipline to open the scriptures, whether personally or in small groups or to gather every week on a consistent basis to hear the the word taught, Lord, give them the discipline to do that. And God, may we always have a leaning towards obedience and practice. So for those of us who are good listeners and good learners, would you help us to be good practitioners of the word? And God, for some of us, you've put us in situations and circumstances in our work, in our school, in our neighborhood, in different places of this community where we are around people who need to hear your word. Would you give us the boldness and the wisdom to know what to share and how to share it? And would you add your favor to that so more people can know who you are? Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we give ourselves to you today in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.